to Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. Dennis, can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Well, we're going to kick it right now on the Culture State Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I am Christopher Lee. That is my man, Dennis Jamel Cox the second. And we're right here just to serve you all. You know what I'm saying? Every single week right here on the Culture State Podcast. Not only the Culture State Podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Chris, but making our debut, Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Television. This face was made for TV, baby. This face was made for radio, baby. (laughs) And we mix it all together. We have TV, radio, and digital. So that's what it is. That's what we are. Again, real quick, we're the Culture State Podcast crew again. That's Chris Lee. I'm Dennis Cox. I'd like to thank our good sponsor, Papa Murphy's Pizza, 1099 Pizzas, large pizzas on Tuesdays. Papa Murphy's changed the way you pizza. Chris, there are a lot of fantastic professional athletes that have come out of the great state of North Carolina, but very few of them have competed on an international stage, much like our guest today, Eddie Pope. Yep. Uh, Eddie Pope is somebody that I've been wanting to talk to just to let everybody know about this since I was a little kid. Uh, I remember walking down the halls of Southwest Guilford High School in High Point, North Carolina, and uh, shout outs to Jermaine Pratt, who was recently in the Super Bowl with the Cincinnati Bengals, saying GP Money, High Point, North Carolina with the gold grills. That was cool. Um, but I was walking down the halls. <laughs> I was walking down the halls uh, and I look over and I've always heard the name of Eddie Pope. I knew he was a big time soccer player. I knew he went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, did not know he went to my high school and that he was a Southwest Cowboy. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's that's amazing because an international star is walking these halls and Eddie Pope went there, too. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> Did I go over yet? Oh, uh, no. But I, was, I was like all in. Like, yeah, absolutely. Chris, 100%. That was you. But no, for real. Eddie Pope is the real international star for sure. Um, you know, he's 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 done so many amazing things in soccer and he's also breaking down a few different barriers as well. So it was really cool to be able to get in contact with him. Talk to him about his time in North Carolina. Talk to him about the the uh, the sport of soccer and where it's at right now, and also just to you know just to soak in greatness. You know, it's always that's one of the things I love about this show. We get a chance to soak in greatness when we're talking to these people. Yeah. Well, they also get to soak in greatness from us, Chris. That's very true. Yeah, because that's what we are. And it is really cool with with Eddie just seeing someone who competed on the highest stage of of international competition just be for me it'd be super cool to represent your country in any sort of competition i think it'd be just awesome him to do it in world cups along those lines i mean there are some olympians that have come from north carolina which is really cool most of them competed in the summer games uh but someone who's competed in the world cup it's just and it's played all over the world uh great to see and i can't wait to hear him talk about what he's doing post career post playing career and how important it is to make sure athletes no matter what level you compete in have an identity off the field and have a a life outside of the sport you play especially when you're done playing you touched on something very important just playing for your country um it it probably is the highest honor you've seen guys who have competed for nba championships and everything like that um but they seem it seems to bring out a different emotion when they all come together 
for country and they go play for, you know, a, a FIBA World Cup or for the, an, an Olympic gold medal or something like that. And you just see just a difference in how those guys kind of operate. Yeah. Um, playing for your country is, is on a completely different level. Eddie Pope was able, able to do that. But he's also, if you think about it at all points, um, he was able to play for his state. I mean, North Carolina is, you know, we, we can say it's the, it's the most popular school college in, in the state of North Carolina, the Tar Heels. Yeah. So in a sense, he represented the state of North Carolina, played in the MLS, and then also represented our country. So he's been able to do it at the highest level at every level he's been at. Well, let's not wait any further, Chris. Eddie Pope. Eddie Pope. Right after this. Right here on Culture State. I think we're twins today. Yeah, we are. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Culture State Podcast uh, along with Dennis Cox. And uh, Dennis, I think you're outnumbered once again. Oh, I'm uh, shocking. Because unfortunately, shocking. you didn't get a chance to graduate from Southwest Guilford High School <laughs> like myself. And Eddie Pope right here, who's joining us today. Uh, of course, Eddie Pope, uh, you know, longtime uh, professional uh, soccer player, uh, played for U.S. men's national team. Uh, and now uh, in his second act uh, in life, you know, he's uh, doing something to help out with uh, those professional players and help them kind of get their lives together after uh, they're, they're playing professional uh, sports. And so, uh, Eddie Pope, thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, first off, let's let's talk about Southwest Guilford. I, I don't know if you've been down there recently, but the school has changed drastically since I've been there. You probably don't even recognize the school yourself if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I had a chance to go back a couple of years ago. Um, okay. So it's certainly grown in size, um, obviously, and um, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, it, it certainly wasn't what I remembered it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, Dennis. I wish I could show you the before and after uh, photos. Um, but I didn't think to take photos back in 2004, what it was going to look like, but, uh, the school looks completely different. High point looks com completely different at you know, right oh, now yeah. also. Um, but also just, uh, went from there to university of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, you know, what was it about the school at the time where you wanted to stay in state, but also just kind of play for one of the biggest schools that is in the state that actually, you know, bears the name of the state. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot hasn't changed. I mean, most kids, um, you know, in the North Carolina area, want to stay and go to school there at, at one of the universities. Um, so for me, it was no different. Um, so once I got the opportunity to be able to, to go to, to Chapel Hill, uh, you know, for me, that was a no brainer. And um, so, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to, uh, to play four years of soccer there. Now, I've asked other people from the 336 uh, because obviously there's a lot of 336 representation on this episode right now. <laughs> what is it about the the triad area, the Greensboro area, where UNC is so popular and so big? Because you come here to the triangle, yes, UNC is here, but it's very big NC State. But it seems like you travel to the, the Greensboro area and UNC just, just runs everything. What is it about UNC – and the Greensboro area that you think that makes it the number one place to go? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, I mean, besides being the best, um, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything, anything else out there. You know, I, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, when I was in school, the, the basketball program was, was huge. And, um, and then my freshman year there, we won the national championship. But, um, you know, before then, I mean, obviously having the likes of a Michael Jordan go there and um, and all of that being televised to be on TV. And then obviously everyone followed his career. So, I mean, it, it, there were a million reasons to like UNC. 
but I'm not sure why, you know, the triad was seemed to be more into it than than maybe Cary, Raleigh area. So yeah, I was I was gonna ask you about that in the basketball team at the time. Uh, you basically were coming in kind of as Hubert Davis was leaving. And uh, now Hubert Davis is now the uh, the head coach of the, of the basketball team, men's basketball team. Yeah. Uh, what are your whole thoughts on where the men's basketball team is right now, if you've have had a chance to pay attention? Uh, and, and Hubert Davis taking the helm, somebody that uh, I don't even know if you guys even had a chance to cross paths because, he, like I said, he was leaving as you were coming in. No, we didn't. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's like I said, I mean, basketball at UNC is everything. Um and, and then, you know, the other interesting thing is that Mac Brown is, is back with, with the football program and he was there when I was there. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see things come full circle. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the program at UNC, um, you know, it's always going to be a top notch program. They're, they're always going to be a big draw for high school talent, um, not only obviously in North Carolina, but around the country. Um, and, and so the school is somewhat built around, you know, those two programs. But um, but yeah, I mean it's it's been fun to watch and follow. They've obviously won a handful of national championships since since, uh, since I've left. Um, so UNC, it's an easy school to like, you know. <laughs> and you notice we just call it UNC. We don't even really refer to the, to the Chapel Hill part. We just claim claim it all. So yeah, I, I noticed that. I, like when I go to UNC, I went to UNCG, and uh, oh. a lot of uh, a lot of folks in my family were just like. Um, you know, just call it Greensboro because it sounds too close to UNC when you say UNCG. Like, that's just what they would say. <laughs> now, Eddie, let's get to your professional career. Right after you got out of college, you were part of the U.S. men's national team. As someone who was able to compete at that level in World Cups and these big stages, how different was it playing on those big stages as opposed to mm. just an, an ACC matchup against you know, Wake Forest? or another school or Virginia, how, how fun was it to compete on that level? Yeah. I mean, that's everything when you can represent your country. Um, I mean, that, that's everything, you know, before that, for me, um, I had, had the opportunity to play in the Olympics and, um, and that sort of prepares you for that type of, of a competition, you know, the round Robin playing other countries um, and trying to progress through, through the tournaments. Um, now, obviously, you know, once you get to that level, there's, there's not a whole lot that can prepare you for. You're kind of just thrown into the fire. Um, but but I would say that um, at the time for soccer and really all sports, ACC was just so competitive. Um, it was so tough. The one thing I remember being difficult for me when I first got to Chapel Hill was, um, you know, there were, there were never any really easy games. All the games are super hard, which is, you know, high school isn't really like that. You got a handful of tough games and the rest are relatively okay. Um, so I think, you know, as sort of a, a base, I think the ACC prepared me for just understanding that, you know, how the, the levels of competition really increase, um, you know, as you start to progress through your career. Was there an internal competition between the men's team and the women's team in terms of who was Ooh. the better program at UNC? Because UNC women's soccer is known as being the best in the country when it comes to Absolutely. No, there wouldn't have been any competition because they would have blown us out of the water. So <laughs> we knew better than to try to compete with, with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they were, um, you know, the draw that they got was was fantastic. Um, they, they always had a lot of students at the games. Um, they had a lot of fans, uh, I would say, in the area, which was great. Um, they were great people, you know, from the Mia Hams to the Christine Lillies, you know, so forth and so on. Um, there was just nothing to not like about them. And um, and then with some of them, I've even stayed in touch 
touch with uh, over the years. But um, and, and the program is still there, still going strong. Anson Dorrance is still there. He's still wonderful and fantastic, an amazing coach. Um, I did have the opportunity to go back there, and that's that looks nothing like it did when I was there as, as well. With they have a brand new soccer stadium that's one of the best stadiums in the country. Um, sounds like I'm like a recruiting commercial for UNC, but um, <laughs> it, it really is. Um, it, it really is super nice. But yeah, the, the, the women's program was was fantastic when I was there. I wanted to ask you about just uh, how the the game of soccer has grown in the state of North Carolina. And in just some of the leaps that you've noticed, I mean, you know, NC Courage is now here. You know, they've been uh, doing well. They've won championships. In the spring, we're going to see, uh, you know, Charlotte FC. That's They're going to start up uh, down there with uh, David Tepper uh, for the MLS. And it's just so much uh, that's that's grown, I think, within the state. Um, you know, I just remember being a kid and um, there wasn't as many of my peers playing soccer. And then just a few months out of high school, I felt like that kind of changed where there was a lot more behind me starting to play soccer and that the kids kind of who were coming behind me were playing it a lot more and it's grown so much here. Um, what have you noticed about the the growth there? And, and how does it feel that you're, you know, one of the uh, examples of where soccer can take you uh, for somebody who who came from North Carolina? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a long time coming, you know, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, I think we've all felt like there should be professional teams in North Carolina because at the youth level, um, North Carolina has always been such uh, a soccer hotbed. Um, now, obviously, there's competition with other sports, and there were certainly more kids playing other sports when I was playing soccer. Um, but now, you know, I remember, you know, growing up and you'd see a soccer field, but then you'd see, you know, four baseball fields yeah. um, and then another soccer field, now four, four baseball, whatever. Now, you know, you see all of the soccer fields and you may see a baseball field here and there. Um, you know, football teams are getting kicked off of soccer fields now and it used to be the opposite. Uh, so the number of kids playing is is astronomical because you also obviously have girls playing the, the sport as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was there just uh, a couple of weeks ago at WRAL Soccer Park and, yeah. um, with, you know, 20 plus fields with my daughter. And um, to, so to watch some of those um those locations kind of mushroom cloud is is has been impressive and so now you have ncfc like you said you have charlotte that's that's now got a team um it's again it's just been a long time coming and i think one of the things that young players um can see is that there is a pathway you know i have a professional team in my backyard um on the male and female side and so now i think kids could see that path um to professionalism and um and so i think the sport's just going to continue to grow and, you know, you have some difficulties with football now and concussions and things like that. And, and really, as a parent, you know, now you're a little bit skeptical with, with what sport you throw your kid in and soccer is relatively safe. Um, so I, I just think, you know, things look really, really good for the sport moving forward. Mm -hmm. What What's going to be the next step in terms of taking professional soccer in this country to a mainstream? Because certainly the best leagues are obviously Premier League. Serie A, all those uh, La Liga are overseas. What's it going to take for professional soccer here in the States to, to reach that level? Um, you know, there are a lot of things, but I think the main one um, is probably time. You know, I, I think, you know, we said a long time ago, say, you know, 20 years ago when MLS started or 25 years ago, that um, you know, everyone's just waiting for these these kids who played high school soccer but didn't go on to be the fans who were sitting in the stadium. 
and um, and people felt like that was never going to happen, but it did. Um, and and now pretty much every club has a soccer specific stadium, which we never thought would happen, but it did. Um, and, and you've seen it on television a lot more. Um, we're watching our, our national team be on television a lot more on the men and the women's side. So I, I think it's probably time. Um, I, I also think once we uh, you know we start to involve everyone in the sport, um, whether they are super wealthy or you know maybe they're poor. Um, mm. That's one of the things that we're missing, but that's what you see overseas. You see everybody's included in the sport. And I think once you obviously expand that pool of talent, um, the sport gets better and the teams around it gets better. Would you also, just to kind of add to that question, would you also like to see more, I guess, local organizations like here in Raleigh, we have the NCFC organization and, you know, somebody uh, like Nicholas Holiday can start when they're 12 and all of a sudden there's, he's 16 and, you know, he's a professional now and and, and doing his, his thing very well with that uh, becoming a goalie. Uh, but, you know, where I'm from in Greensboro. Um, you know, they're smaller organizations, but it's not at the level of NCFC. Uh, my wife is from Bermuda. Her nephew uh, moved to the UK and every, you know, city there. And he's under like one of those organizations at the age of eight, um, you know, kind of starting off. Do you think that that will be something to kind of add to what Dennis was asking more of those organizations to help uh, in, in, in more cities to help, uh, I guess, train kids from an early age and keep them uh, developed. And, and maybe that can make the pool a little bit bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's I think in the U.S. we, you know, we, we have to we have to have our own system. Mm -hmm. um, and then mostly because the United States is so big, uh, it's, it's really hard to um, to mimic what what other countries are doing, um, you know, whether it's England, you know, or, or, or Holland or Spain. I mean, with the, the size of our country makes it really difficult to, again, to mimic uh, what some of the other countries are doing. Um, you know, I, I think that our youth clubs do a good job of training kids at a younger level, at a young level. And um, the coaching is, is relatively good in most youth soccer clubs. And um, so I, I just think, again, it, it's just going to take time to where we, um, you know, obviously people talk about the pay to play system and, and how we get around that. Um, I don't know that that will ever go away, um, but I do think that there are ways to involve um, everyone in the sport. I think that increases competition. It, it, it pulls in a different set of athletes that typically aren't involved in the sport, um, and, and I think it will take off even more. Um, and then the biggest obstacle is that we have a lot of other sports in the United States. Um, we mm -hmm. have a lot of other really popular sports in the United States. And uh, so that competition clearly pulls uh, you know, athletes away from soccer. Um, Again, that, that part is going to be hard to overcome, but we are a big country. So I do think that the talent is still out there. All right, Eddie, let's get into your post-playing career life, your post-playing career profession. You're managing director of a company called Octagon Soccer. For those who out there don't know, what is Octagon Soccer and what is it that you all provide? So Octagon in general is a sports and entertainment company. And... Um, so it's, it's divided in a couple of sides. We have marketing and advertising, but I'm on the side where, which is really just player representation. Um, so we're player agents. We represent players. We help them with their contracts. Um, we help them find clubs. Um, we help them move from club to club. Um, we help them find teams overseas if that's something that they're interested in. Uh, so that's sort of the, the gist of it, of it all. You know, as players come out of college and nowadays where you have more and more players who um, are foregoing college and going directly to, to MLS, um, or overseas, you know, we help players do that. 
I wanted to talk also more about what Octagon has. Uh, I noticed that you're part of their, I just want to, I'm reading it to make sure I get it right. Um, athlete coach and executive career development advancement and transition division. Uh, so it's a lot to say, but it sounds super interesting, but also uh, fellow North Carolinian Brad Darty is, is there with you. Marvin Lewis, former um, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. What are you guys doing um, to help uh, with that development of uh, folks in their careers after they're done playing uh, the game of soccer? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're literally just getting started. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we want to do um, is obviously help players um, who are trying to transition from being a professional athlete into um, the quote unquote real world. Um, it's never easy, you know, for, for a lot of us athletes, that's kind of what we've known ourselves to be all of our lives. Now, even though we've all, you know, most of us have gone to college, we have degrees and everything else, but we go directly into a professional sport. And uh, so once that's over and once you've sort of, you know, lived your dream, you have to now kind of settle down and, and figure out what you want to do. So we, we've been trying to help um, players do that. Um, we're trying to help, um, especially black executives who don't typically get the opportunity to be head coaches, GMs, you know, anywhere in the front office. Um, and that's something else that we want to tackle, um, you know, along all fronts from basketball to football um, to soccer as well. But I mean, the, the general sort of goal is to help players transition out of being a professional athlete and helping them understand that, you know, you, you do have the ability to have a second identity. And as you mentioned before, like a second act. Um, yeah. And we want to help them prepare for that. And a lot of it is, is starting to prepare, you know, while you're towards the end of your career. Um, it's if you don't have that college degree, it's, mm. it's finishing that off. If you do have that, it's trying to target what it is that you want to do next. And can you do some internships, some externships here and there and, and really start to um, start to figure out what direction you want to go in? I wanted to ask you what was like one of the toughest parts about your transition from your playing career, because I remember seeing you in commercials as a kid. I remember, you know, seeing you in MLS games for the U.S. men's national team. And then that does come to an end at a certain point. So, at, at you know, what was one of the uh, hardest parts of that transition for you? Yeah, I think the, the hardest part is, uh, you know, I, I think most kids, um, you, know, you think about, hey, I want to be a professional whatever player. Um, so, so then when it happens and, and you are, you know, quote unquote, living your, your dream, well, once once that's over, it's it's almost like there is a not necessarily a letdown, but there's well, I, I've, I've already accomplished the big goal that I had, the big dream that I had. And and now what's next? And it's really trying to figure out what that is without bouncing around too much. Uh, but that part is, is really hard. You're now kind of searching and trying to figure out. You know, do you have um, or are you fortunate enough to have another dream? Um, is there something else that you can be passionate about? Um, and so for me, I think that's that's the toughest part is trying to find that sort of second flame, that second fire. What 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 are you passionate about again? Um, and, and figuring that out is, is really difficult. Is that something that should be cultivated early in someone's career, that that identity outside of the sport, even though you may still only be in year three, year four, year five mm. of a potentially 12, 15 year career. Is it important to kind of start that early to develop that identity? Cause I know you mentioned about working with athletes later in their career, but if you thought about working with athletes who may only be 24, 25, 26 in terms of developing that second passion. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point because that's, that's what you try to do. You try to get younger players um, you know, there are some things you can knock out. You can say, do you have a college degree? Okay, well, let's go finish that. And that's, 
that's an easy box to check. Um, but then you start asking people, you know, well, what are you passionate about? Um, and, you know, someone who's 24, they're, they're recently graduated, um, or maybe they went straight into uh, professional soccer, whatever professional sport it is at the age of, you know, 17, 18. And now you're asking them to stop for a second living their dream and figure out, well, what's the, what's the second act for you? It's really hard. Um, most people don't want to do it because it's looking at the end and nobody wants it ever to end, but it always yeah. ends. Um, so we do try to do that. And we, we, you know, what we recommend is just trying, trying new things. Um, and again, that's where the internships and the externships help because a lot of times, whatever city you're playing in, the, the, the businesses around you are your fans um, and, and they will open their doors to you. So we, we try to get players to do that. I've always, when I was at the Players Association, we always suggested that that players go and do that and try to figure out what they may like, what they may not like. Um, we, we've even had, for, for example, a particular player who tried broadcasting and immediately was like, this is not for me. <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> that, see, you can cross that off the list. And so I think he did a great job and, and started kind of, you know, jumping from this to that and figuring it out. And now he's got it narrowed down to one or two things. So. I wanted to ask you uh, before we uh, let you go about the U.S. men's national team. Uh, you know, the women have been, you know, the superstars uh, for the last, you know, 10 plus years uh, when it comes down to soccer. But the last few uh, international games uh, for the men, I mean, it's been looking pretty good so far this year. Uh, do you think that the men are starting to maybe turn a corner? And when uh, when the World Cup comes up, do you think uh, they could possibly have a chance to make it and also compete? Yeah, I mean, I think the expectation is there, you know, 100 um, percent on the men's side. We, we, I certainly expect them to qualify at a minimum. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, a lot of times it depends on the draw you get. Um, but, you know, the, the goal and the expectation is to get out of your group and move on and, and see what happens. Um, it's a great group. The young guys are in there mixed in with a couple of veterans. Um, Greg Berhalter is another uh, individual who went to UNC. Um, we played together there at, at UNC. Um, so I know what he's like as an individual, as a coach. He will certainly have um, an expectation of qualifying, getting out of, the, getting out of the, their group, doing well, possibly getting past that sort of first barrier and moving on and then seeing what, what happens. But uh, yeah, I 100% think the expectation is there. Um, and, and I think we're more than capable. Also, I'm sure it advancing you know into those later stages you know into the knockout rounds or stages of of a world cup would help boost you know the growth on the men's side because obviously the Absolutely. women's team is consistently doing well but i think that continued success for the men's team would obviously probably help boost things as well absolutely it's it's, it's all about expectations you know mm -hmm. if kids see that happening on a regular basis then it just becomes the expectation of your of your country um you know I, i'm sure brazilians you know, as they grew up, watched them doing well and winning World Cups. And then th that just becomes the expectations. And I, and I think it becomes expectations of players as coaches. Um, and so then I just think that you operate at a higher level once you start seeing that. Um, and But once you start seeing it consistently. So I think we're close to, to doing that. Um, again, a good group, young players, super talented. Um, some play in MLS, some play abroad. It's a, it's a really good mix. Um, good coaching, good coaching staff. Um, so, yeah, my expectations are high for that group. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, this was great. It was insightful. Um, we had Lynn Williams on before, 
Uh, so you're the first men's soccer uh, player that we've had a chance to, to speak with on the show. So there's oh, definitely a, a first for you uh, for that. Oh, no, I appreciate that. And again, I thank you guys for having me on. And maybe at some point, you know, um, you know, we could go down and uh, go to a, a Southwest, uh, you know, homecoming game or something like that. Just kind of cheer on everybody being good graduates of Southwest Guilford High School. Dennis, you can come along as well. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll adopt That's you right. and you could be a, a fellow cowboy with us for a I'll, I'll tag along. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good. Eddie Pope, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. We want to thank Eddie Pope. I like to call him EP Money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for joining us right here on the Culture State Podcast. Uh, really cool to, to talk to him and to uh, soak in some uh, some some more high point greatness because oh. you know Dennis you know I always gotta let you know how great you know high point North Carolina really is we got to get Jermaine Pratt on here so he can say GP money high point North Carolina with the gold grills in his mouth and here's the thing if, if he does that that's all we need just like all right Jermaine thanks for that. I really do appreciate it that's all we need that's all really we need but yeah, yeah a lot of three three six love on this on this on this show Chris a lot of three three six love you know, we, we have to because it's, it's all about the state of North Carolina. So we're going to show that love. I mean, yo, we always got to show love to Kenston. We've shown love, a lot of love to Kenston. We've shown a lot of love to Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, we got to get more Asheville involved. We had, yeah. We've had some Asheville love. We've definitely had the 919 involved. And we got to get the 910 involved. So, I mean, hey, you know, it's uh, – we, we, it, did, I, did I forget 252? Oh, yes, the 252. That's right. But that's Kinston Falls in that. Kinston Falls in that. Oh, there. Okay. I was thinking yeah. that's not one. We've that. had Greenville. We've had Petey Pablo. I mean, what? That's true. That, that's definitely 252. Exactly. That's a lot of 252. Now, we've had Western part of the state, something that's coming up here. Our friends, our partners over at that station, 957, that station, mm. putting on a big music fest coming to Durham Bulls Athletic Park Friday, June 24th, and Saturday, June 25th. Hopefully get some of those headliner bands, including Steep King and Rangers, which is from the Asheville area, actually more kind of down towards Brevard, which is kind of that western part of the state. We've obviously we've had Catch Core from Old Crow Medicine Show, where that band really dug its roots into the Boone area as Blowing Rock. So hopefully we get some bands like Mipso, which is from the Durham area, Chatham County Line. Those are just some of the headliners that are going to be coming to Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Over 20 bands, three stages over two days. All North Carolina. It's going to be a fantastic time. Chris, you and I are going to be there. I know I'm definitely going to be there. I can't wait to see Steve King and Rangers perform. I was supposed to see them with my girlfriend earlier this month, Chris, but COVID kind of pushed things back because they yeah. pushed the show back. But you know what? I'm going to see them in June, and I'll see them in May in Winston-Salem in the 336, Chris. But we'll catch them outdoors at Durham Bulls. Good things come uh, to those who wait. Uh, it'll be in June, which is also your birthday month, and hey, so you know that means two days after my birthday, Chris. We can we can take off our shirts, twist them around our head like a helicopter, and all yes. for for a celebration of your birthday. That would be amazing. I'm in. I'm with I'm it. In. Yes, sir. Um, this has been a good episode. I, I'm glad we had a chance to speak to uh, Eddie Pope uh and and seeing the great things he's doing hey you know we gotta all support our own eddie pope is doing an amazing job right now uh working at octagon and and just so many things he's doing to help out the uh the soccer community and uh we love to see it we love the support another thing i love to see is that um dennis and i are looking a lot smaller these days i don't know if you guys who are watching on youtube have noticed this but our faces are slimmer we're, we're trimming up like the thick boys still gonna be thick oh we think 
but we're gonna be slim thick. This this slim thick. This beard's gonna stay thick. I can tell you that for me. Yeah, you got a thick beard. The beard's exactly. gonna be there. Oh, but I bet you, if you shaved the beard though, if you went all, I'd be like, yo, who is this skinny face guy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite there yet, Chris. Not quite there yet. Plus, my girlfriend would would destroy me if I shaved my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to grow my hair out. And my wife would destroy me if I were to do that. Mm. So I can't do that. That's fair. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I actually really like my beard. I've always had my beard. My girlfriend just likes it too. So yeah, that's really it. So no, she's not forcing me to keep the beard. I love the beard. I hate shaving. Let's yeah. be real. Shaving stinks. I can go all in on that. Shaving stinks. I, I just, I, I wish I knew how bad it was. no because you shave every five days chris yeah well here's the thing i will say this i don't like shaving with a razor because when i did that i would get bumps oh yeah irritation all that stuff yeah yeah, i I don't like that so i have to do uh you know clippers but you know i wish that i I knew it like this right here i mean you see how smooth my face looks i mean i have like a a little bit of stubble Uh I, i think i shaved like what two days ago crazy Oh, that's why they call you show smooth. Hey, throwback. <laughs> hey, and it's good on a High Point, North Carolina uh, episode as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. We need five stars. Yes. And if you're listening on Apple uh, Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, I should say. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching on uh, WRL Sports Plus, thank you so much. Hopefully mm-hmm. we get a chance to see you out there, out and about in the community at some point. Big thanks to Papa Murphy's Pizzas. Again, $10.99 on Tuesdays for large pizzas. Papa Murphy's Chase the Wiggy Pizza. Chris, let's go. We out. The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.